welcome to another edition of The Great Movie Show. I'm your host, Adam, and I'm joined, as ever, by my usual co-hosts, Lloyd and Dave. Hello. Today's episode is called Your Move Creep. We're, of course, talking about Robocop, released in 1987 by MGM. And Orion Pictures release, it was directed by Paul Verhoeven, who went on to film the brilliant Total Recall, the controversial thriller, Basic Instinct, the massively underrated Starship Troopers. He's also responsible, of course, for the worst rated film possibly ever, Showgirls. But even that has turned into a cult classic. It also spawned the almost okay sequel, Robocop 2, the dreadful third film in the series, and a not-so-impressive remake. Written by Edward Neumeyer, who also went on to write Starship Troopers as well, and Michael Milner, the general story is simple. In a crime-saturated Detroit, a killed cop is made into a cyborg law enforcer and has his memory wiped, but he's haunted by memories of his former life and the people that destroyed it. There's a lot more to this film than that, from subtle humour to commentary on consumerism and other big issues. It's dark and edgy, but also fun and doesn't take itself too seriously. So guys, starting with the story, how do you feel that it promotes consumerism or attacks humanism? <laughs> I'll, I'll let Dave feel this one. It's an expansive question. It's a two-parter as well. Listen to it, how we led in with the questions. Well, you've got to think, did he say discuss, explain, <laughs> detail, or what? Use that to formulate. So, so obviously, I mean, consumerism, it uses obviously a satirical kind of adverts spliced throughout the the main kind of plot of the movie to, to make a point about society and kind of terminal decline. It's about, you know, it's about the privatization of, of, of the police force. That's, that's the central kind of premise, isn't it? Uh, you know, um, Detroit is falling apart. Um, and then what was the second part of your question? <laughs> Have I covered both bases already? Partially. I mean, I, I, I led in with something a little bit heavy because of the, the nature of the film. I mean, I watched it again this morning and within the first three or four seconds, you kind of know what you're getting. Um, mm. You know, you've got the, the the theme music kicks in, the, the really heavy title of Robocop, and then it pans across, doesn't it, Detroit, which I think, ironically, it's set in Detroit. It's the only shot of Detroit that you see the whole movie because it's I think it's yeah. filmed in, in Dallas. Um, and then it leads into the, the news program. So it's it's at at the very start. It's kind of nothing to do with the film. It's I think the third story, isn't it, on the the film bulletin that actually gets the news bulletin that gets to the the relevant story. Yeah, but it kind of um, it gives a feed into the desensitization that that either civilization or local populace has been exposed to, and then you know obviously that's being desensitized to the violence. There could be a crime next to them, and it's just like it's modern life, isn't it? It's just the day to day, and then this. Delta City, this OCP corporate corporation are coming in to like clean things up, clean up the streets, privatizing the police. When the other side of it is they're just there to make money. They're there to basically kick out. They're basically just there to move everyone from Detroit out of Detroit and just build this lovely Delta City of the future. And it kind of what, does give you that sort of little feed in. What I love about it is I'd say in a lot of films that try and do that, that kind of sci-fi dystopian thing, they normally start, don't they, with some opening um, monologue or, or something. Yeah, that's, narration, you know, yeah, you know. Yeah. 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 And, and, and November 2019, like that sort of thing, isn't it? Absolutely. And what you get in just those sort of three news articles, whatever it is, 
um, exactly what the film's sort of talking about. As you say, it's the it's talking about. I think there's unrest in South South Africa, and they're talking about using a neutron bomb on the people. Um, oh yeah, it's escalated so quickly. Somewhere, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, then it then it cuts to um, a, a sort of slightly calm, like and funny story about the president and how it's it's a serious topic because it's on the Star Wars project as was back in the eighties. Um, but they, I think, they lose gravity and um, so everyone's floating yeah. around. Yeah, yeah it's uh, a space it, station, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So it sort of goes from there to sort of there's a bit of whimsy there, and then it goes back to um, the the sort of meat on the bones that this is um, where we're at. We're, we're set in Detroit. Um, there's real issues with the privatization of the police force. You've got Dick Jones, who's unsympathetic and quite corporate about it, quite cold. There's reference to this guy, Clarence Bodica. And then it goes into the film. And I, I think that works so much better than a simple, you know, like scrolling, you know, recap of what's gone before or whatever. Yeah. It's, it's letting you write the first, the, the sort of prologue to the story, isn't it? Rather than it being spoon fed to you. Absolutely, you know, like, like you sometimes get with the rolling credits or the narration at the start of a movie, especially if it's a dystopian one. Well, there's always that explanation, so it's nice. That it just gives you a little bit of a snapshot. You can make of it what you want, and then uh, yeah, jump straight in to a bit of the uh, get the action rolling. And Dave, so uh, what is the um, the location that um, Murphy arrives at? That he arrives at. Yeah, what Where? station? What's the name of the, of the police station? Yeah. God knows. What is it? Or the or the area? It's Metro City West. Is it Metro City and he, West? And he's and he's come from Metro City South. And yet I think you're right. supposed to believe that Metro City South is that nice suburban area where not much mm. happens. Um, and Murphy's come over to to this really you know tough place where you know there's mass unemployment and you know um, dissatisfaction, disassociation by everybody. And um, he's. He's literally the moment he arrives. He's, he's sort of welcome to this horrendous situation. Even even his sergeant doesn't really care and says, "You know, yeah. you're going to have to work here. Um, here's your locker." Well, their, their their reception. You won't go into the reception of the police station. You know, it's not even the booking room. It's everything in one, and it's just absolute mayhem and chaos. There's a little homeless woman offering like the sergeant some tea or coffee. I don't know if she's meant to work there or what, but she looks like she's homeless. There's like criminals, coppers, all sorts like coming and going. It's just, it's absolutely just, it kind of shows, demonstrates how swamp they are. It's almost a metaphor for how the swamp they are generally as well. You know, out on the streets, they haven't got enough people to deal with it. And they've shown it in a little snapshot of what their sort of central hub's like, where there's just not enough people to do to do anything they need them to do. Yeah, but I, I know, I think I paused it just after then, and it was only about six minutes into the film. And um, it was... They're in the lockers, and you know they did that nice little sequence of walking through with um, Murphy, and he gets his kit, and he's talking to one of the guys, and then there's other people interacting around them. It's almost like a sort of walk and talk from you know like the West Wing or something like that, but set in this uh, dystopian um, police unit. And he gets to his, um, his locker, and he hasn't even opened it, and then they come in and they remove the belongings for uh, yeah. Fredrickson. And um, that links really Cecil as usual, but it's really nice, isn't it? Because yeah, it it, it links back to the, the one of the stories in the news that we heard about the you know the Bodica's responsible for thirty one and what was it? There's a number of people dead, and and one was yeah. really really like good yeah. luck, Frank. <laughs> good luck, Frank. And and yeah, and, yeah it circles dead. back, and he's died. Mm -hmm. And and I, I thought like I yeah, paused it after tired. after that, and I was like, we're six minutes in, 
and it's re it's perfect the start of that movie the way that they do it, it, it it's all set up so nicely and it's only taken that long i mean it's not a long film i think it's only about like an hour and 40 minutes so i suppose the pace has to be up there um but it, it's good you know when you think of some movies that are three hours long now and they've got about 40 minute setup to the first mm. real thing um yeah it's nice to see well um do you know the name of the old man He's he's just the old man. Is it's he? like um, you know, some films where you you just you don't know. He's it's like it was at Tenet where he's just the protagonist. You never well, learn his name. Credited as the old man, but I'm sure they call him something during the movie. No, I think he's the old man. I, I think they they might refer to him in different ways, but yeah, it's uh, it's the old man. And I I like that because I think his character is a really interesting character because there's there's that kind of humour about him. Yeah. Um, I'm very disappointed. Very disappointed. He reminds me. Do you know who he reminds me of? He reminds me of Commandant Lassard at a police academy. <laughs> yeah, he does look <laughs> many, many people. <laughs> but the, the, the when they go up in the lift and you see it's um, it's Bob Morton, isn't it? And Johnson and poor was it Kinney? Poor Kinney, um, <laughs> riding up in the, the lift and they say, you know, oh, oh, it'll be the Ed 209 thing. And then you see what, to be honest, I don't know if you agree or not, the graphics for Ed 209 at the start don't hold up too badly. Um, you know, that it, first scene, it's not too bad, is it? Stop motion, providing your background's all right, and you, 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 your, um, your frame ratio or whatever, the amount of frames you're using, as long as you're not integrating real people or the things, it can look. It's a real thing, isn't it? It's a model, so yep. it's gonna it's gonna photograph and, and film very very well. So it will do. But then as soon as you start putting it with other things, you've got scale issues, color issues, tone issues, and and that sort of thing. But yep. at the same time, it's still better than I'd prefer that in CGI. Well, it, it all worked really really nicely on that opening scene. You were you were aware after. After that moment of, you know, I'm very disappointed, uh, the amount of violence, the amount of blood and, and yeah, shots yeah. And, and the carnage caused. If you hadn't, I mean, if you watched it when it first came out, obviously you wouldn't have seen a Verhoeven film before. But if you're putting it on now and you might have seen Starship Troopers or, or, or something like that, you might have a sense of how he directs. But this was certainly a, a, a message as to what the rest of the film was going to be like. You know, this is going to be a really yeah. violent film. When when there is something happening that's violent, it's going to be graphic. It's going to be oh, quite yeah. horrendous. And it cuts from that to it's just a glitch. And, <laughs> you know, very disappointed. But yeah, for, for uh, I remember being shocked. We used to – so Robocop, what year did it come out again, Adam? Uh, 87. So I would have been eight when it came out. So VHS, nine or ten. So it was probably one of the first 18 films I saw. Yeah, me too. And it, and it was one of the ones we'd watch repeatedly. We didn't own it, but um, we'd either catch it on Sky Movies. So anyway, we, come up, we, we had that, so every now and then you catch it on that. But if to get it from the video shop, if mum and dad were having some friends around or whatever, we'd uh, a video to keep us quiet. So dad would ring the video shop, say, yeah, can I rent Robocop? My lads are going to come and pick it up. So we'd go to the video shop at like nine or ten years old, hand over the money. They go, oh, yeah, your dad did call. That's great. And give us Robocop. And then I don't think yeah. mum and dad ever watched what it entailed because I don't yeah. think it would have been particularly happy. They just, you know, as you, you, know, as you hear the, the title Robocop, you know, when it was first getting, trying to get, trying to sell the script, everyone's thinking, oh, it's just a high concept. 
bit of cheesy fun, Robocop. And so mum and dad probably thought, thought the same. But if they'd have walked in the room when that poor fella's getting mowed down by Edso 09, and it's not yeah. a quick death, is it? It's and he's there for ages. Then yeah. steam coming off him when he's lying on the map. Don't touch him. Don't touch him. <laughs> Jumps going. Don't touch him. <laughs> yeah. But it's you know it's it's very very graphic. Um, you know, and now you you know what you're getting with the Verhoeven film. You know what you're getting with Robocop. But I don't remember being particularly gro- uh, like grossed out by it or like um, really sort of um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. But as a kid, I wasn't really affected by it. Well, isn't that isn't that a weird thing car, though? That cartoon-ish. I don't. I, not. I I think it was. I think the it was the clever thing about the film that almost, as the viewer, you're desensitized to it. It's almost the same as what they're trying to yeah. get across within the film. That you watch it and you sort of go, you know, these we, we've moved on straight away once that's happened. We've moved on, and you've got you know the apology of the old man saying I'm not too happy, but he's not really having a go at him for the death of one of his employees. All he's thinking about is this is going to set us back. You know, this is going to this is going to lose us money. This yeah. is going to lose us fifty million. And then suddenly Bob Morton comes in. You know, at a time where with the guy he was just travelling up in the lift with has just been blamed oh, to yeah. smithereens. He's there going, ah, this could be a business opportunity for me. I could get a promotion yeah. here. You can um, greenlight my he, Robocop project. Yeah, and he and he dives dives straight in. Um, I just, I just think it, it just it demonstrates that that the, the way Verhoeven wanted it, and and apparently he went through was it um, eleven attempts to get it R rated. It was X rated, or the other way around. I forget which way they they do it in America, but basically they they, they couldn't get it um, an R rating for ages. He had to keep ed- keep editing, had to keep keep cutting things down, um, and finally um, they gave the, the rating. I think the, the, the unedited versions are available on, like, Blu-ray and stuff now. Um, but back then, yeah, it was uh, it was sort of cutting edge, right on right on the edge of what you couldn't even show. Yeah, well, you, you think of Murphy getting killed. It's, it's not only the special effects of it. It's the pure, cruel and disturbing nature of the, of the scene. It's... It's bullying, it's murder, it's, you know, it's all, basically you've got a whole gang. Of, Does it hurt? Does yeah. it hurt? <laughs> this, this whole gang of bad guys. Give him you know, a hand. Just, yeah, Give him a fine. hand. <laughs> but then they just take him apart bit by bit, and then in the end, yeah. you know, just finish him off. But it's just, they don't pull any punches. It, it, I, I can't think of anything else like that, really. You know, even if you think about Predator, where you've got this alien with these gruesome weapons, it's still quite almost like a clean, quick death on all those people. Yeah. And then you come to RoboCop and it's just, well, even the Terminator. So Terminator considered more of a yeah. sort of horror thriller than an action thriller like RoboCop. And even then it was quick, wasn't it? And not yeah. like, even though, you know, it shows no remorse, you can't reason with the Terminator. It was still very uh, quick and concise. And then you come to RoboCop and it's just these slow, Agonizing, drawn out, uh, very painful deaths. You think? Well, we'll talk. Probably talk about it later. But um, I forget the guy who goes into the toxic waste. I forget his name. Emil. Well, it's like no one's getting out. No one's getting out of this uh, without a little bit of pain and suffering. But I think you know when um, they get the call, and um, I think see Murphy's doing his TJ Laser or whatever it is TJ Laser, Um, and. they're, they're having a little chat, and then they get the call that there's been a robbery. So they they go and they go after the van with Bodica and his his 
team. And is it Bobby has blown up, blown the safe, so it's burnt all the money. Fly, Bobby. Yeah, and, and exactly. So it's one of this team. You've never really met this. You've never really seen this guy, and he's like, right, go. I know how to get rid of the cops. I'll use one of my annoying members of the team yeah. that's let me down, and just kill him by throwing him. Exactly that. And um, yeah, I, I do think in that scene, the only thing that lets it down is Emil should really be checking his wing mirrors at, at all times because he's to lose sight of a vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, where's he gone? Yeah. I don't. I don't know. Oh, he's on the side. Yeah, we've just fired 50,000 rounds of ammunition onto an empty road because we assumed the car was going to be there when we opened the doors again. <laughs> oh, no, he's here. Right, okay. Uh, Miguel Ferrer ran, um, read originally for Dick Jones and thought that that's who he was playing. Oh, right. yeah, you know, it's like almost walked onto right. set, didn't he? Yeah. Um, and they'd written it, apparently, where he was a really quite, quite nasty character. Mm. And um, Farrah decided to play it as a bit more charismatic and likable. And, and you do find it, I think maybe even as you grow older as well, you come to like Bob Morton a bit more because him compared to Dick Jones, you just see him as somebody who just wants to make some money. And I, I don't like, know. I like in... how he spends his Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean exactly that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but he's not that, he's not a cold hearted killer. I mean, he, he'll step over people to get what he wants, yeah. but he won't kill them for it. You know what I mean? Like, and uh, somehow you find yourself just like, oh, I prefer this guy. He's a nice guy. Yeah. Like uh, the toilet scene where he's kind of like a little bit out of his depth where he's talking about Dick Jones. And then uh, you hear the toilet flush. Yeah. You look underneath, you see Dick Jones's feet behind the back of the cubicle, and then his mate just runs out, doesn't he? He's just wet himself, out. completely wet yeah. himself. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna go, I've gotta go. Yeah. And then it's just, it's a bit uncomfortable again. It's good though because it's just edgy because he, you know, gets in close, doesn't he? Like really, sort of uncomfortably close to Bob, mm. and then just grabs his hair. <laughs> then he pushes back. He's like, kind of like goes, you know, he, he fights his own corner, but it's obviously he's not. He's not been around the block so many times in terms of um, corporate indiscretions and other things as Dick Jones. He's kind of still on his way up and learning, isn't he? Where so he doesn't know what he's dealing with and he doesn't know what this Dick yeah. Jones has done throughout his career. So he doesn't understand which what's what bear he's actually poking here. He doesn't he doesn't know what he's what he's messing with. So I've I've got a question for you, Dave, and you, you should know that it was coming. Right. Based on based on previous episodes, so I want to talk about henchmen. <laughs> <laughs> My favourite topic. So, do you, do you know any or all of the names of um, Clarence Bodica's crew that are say in the van at the start? Well, we talked about Emil, and I, I knew Emil anyway. Um, we Bobby obviously is is in there. <laughs> Hi, is Bobby. In the, is on the is in the consciousness because of that quote, if nothing else. Um, was he the guy from Twin Peaks? I'm not one? sure. I'm not sure actually. Laura Palmer. Good that, question. Anyway, um, but no, to be honest, I know there's the black guy, but I don't know what he's called. Um, that's Joe. Tra- um, there's Leon. Of course, um, Leon. He, yeah. he gets yeah. um, arrested in the the nightclub. Whereas Le- actually, Leon the most is it Kowalski. Um, Leon Nash. Um, yeah, that's where they got Leon Kowals- Kowals- <laughs> I don't know. Um, Kowals- when he's arrested in the nightclub, I think it's. Oh uh, yeah, kind of. That's Mike. It- <laughs> Mike Kowalski. <laughs> is it? Um, is it Leon Nash? Leon Nash. Yes, I've just said that. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> when he gets arrested in the nightclub, I think it's um, 
Paul Verhoeven's one of the dancers or something. Or, or, it's the guy who catches the might, gun and just keeps on dancing. It's like, yeah, like so apparently, ma apparently manically. We show in the crowd what kind of performance he wants, and 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 the the editor thought it'd be funny to include it in the final movie. Yeah, I do like that. Um, <laughs> there's Leon also is, Leon in his infinite wisdom just decides to kick a robot in between its legs, thinking he's going to do something and not hurt his foot. We're going to see so that... the ball bearings just drop to the ground. <laughs> <when he did. laughs> but but I think that's the thing with um, the film is that. They've got a couple of main guys. You 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 know Joe because of his laugh, because the the way his character is, it's that that kind of high pitched laugh, which I can't do an impression of. I'm sure one of you will try. Um, you've got Emil, who's like one of the main guys. Leon, you kind of remember, and then it starts sort of fading off as if they're just less important. They're not important to Bodica. Mm -hmm. Why they important? There's going to be photographs of of these henchmen appearing, isn't it, Lloyd? So that's it. There's no more. That that's it. That's all the guys. On the there's ground. a guy, um, Calvin Calvin Jung. Um, the oh yes, the, with the bad a, yeah, his, yeah, yeah. But I don't think I don't think there are any other sort of maiden characters. Doesn't Lewis take him out in the factory though? Yeah, yeah. I think he's like the first person that she takes out. Yeah. So, a um, couple of iconic things I think uh, um, from the from the film uh, when they get in the car and they, they drive up a ramp and there's the sparks. We, that, yeah, well, that was always memorable to me as a, a when thing. When they first yeah. get, get into it, Lewis does a, like, pops her bubblegum lunch and she's about to get in the car. Yeah, And then mm. Murphy comes around and just gets in, in the driver's seat, goes, I, I like to drive when I'm breaking in a new partner. When it's like yeah. him who's moved to that precinct, which could be seen as misogynistic, but it's it's kind of not. It's kind of, it's almost funny that, the yeah. way it's done. But also um, you don't realise when you're watching it that, that there's a lot of repetition because it's trying to show you that it's the same, it's ultimately the same person. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they've got to do that, and he, he drives up too too quick. You've got the TJ TJ laser uh, yeah. spins of his thing, haven't you? And there's little things, dead or alive, you're coming with me. Your move, creep. I forget which Come one he says me. to a meal now, but one sparks with a meal, doesn't it, in the um, in the gas station? I think it's dead or alive, you're coming with me. Yeah. It's like, what? What? We killed you. We killed you. Yeah. Oh, I've just it... <laughs> Go on. the first the, the first place. I'm sorry, before I forget it, the first place where it's Robo's first mission. And he goes into that convenience store where the guy in the overcoat and the beard and oh yeah, yeah. Uh, he's robbing it and he's got this weird uh, machine gun with a very narrow um narrow end on it, basically. I don't know what type it is. Um and Robocop comes in and bends it. But yeah. when before Robo gets in there and, and the guy's robbing it and like goes, look, I want all your money out of the safe. And the, the old man and his wife, the old man's going, I haven't got a safe. I haven't got a safe. And then the the um, the criminal like kicks, kicks all these beer cans. Yeah. That must be a pain. Every night when he's cashing up, he's got to move all these beer cans <laughs> out of the way. Go in his safe, close the safe, all the beer cans back in a pyramid. <laughs> it's like that was the least realistic bit of the whole movie for me. That was the that was the, the, that was the a stunt guy as well that they said, can you be like a character in the film. So the oh, guy who, who played that part was the, the stuntman. And I remember watching it originally on terrestrial television and they overdubbed the shooting. So when he was saying F you, you couldn't oh, hear yeah. any of that. It was just sort of wow, wow. Every time he swore, they did another like explosion. 
And I was like, this is weird. Why are they doing that? It's like when I think uh, in Lethal Weapon, uh, there was like money funsters or something like that as a kind of overdub, as if they're trying oh, yeah, to bring it down. You know. Yeah, chemo savvy. Exactly. I didn't say that in the original. <laughs> it's like some guy working for ITV4 has gone, right, okay, you ready? Okay, you're recording. Three, two, one. Chemo savvy. And they've just like <laughs> cut it in. So one of the things about the, the violence that I think works quite well is the the scene of, of Murphy being killed is so horrendous, as, as you've said, Lloyd, that I think it's the sort of thing that kind of would transcend any memory wipe that, you know, anyone was purporting to give any brain, you know what I mean? Like as, as a, a viewer, I think you can watch it and think that's the thing that would always stay, you know, it was so harrowing, it was so close to his death that he would remember those people that would remember that those moments even if they you know they wiped his brain so i think it works quite well that that's the thing that kind of haunts him that memory of how he how he died that they they i mean they teased him didn't they they didn't just oh yeah it wasn't even torturing it was just like teasing Shot, shotgun to the chest shotgun here and there little individual bullets take his hand off and then he's still allowed to move around and then they take him down again and then it's just in the end in the end it's almost clarence doing him a bit of a um, favor, isn't it? And just puts him out of his misery, but still in a really teasing way. Was it? But the but the way they shot that, and and this is the thing that I think Verhoeven does really really well, is he went from that kind of action sequence, that really violent action sequence, to this this kind of sterile medical procedure period, mm. and then the birth straight from that into the birth of Robocop, and that you know the thing where it sort of went dark and then it lights back up again. And it's yeah. like his consciousness closing down yeah. and then opening up. Mm. And then you see him sort of, you know, with the, the cover over and they lift the cover off and it's obviously a Christmas party. And then one of the scientists or whatever engineers kisses him. And I was like, ooh, you know. And, and I remember watching that. I think this is really clever the way this, this, is, this is doing this. I don't know what this, this guy looks like or where he's up to. But um, you, can, you can feel the sort of development. And they even have that moment, don't they, where Bob comes in and they say, oh, we managed to save the arm. And he was like, no. Get rid of the arm, <laughs> but we've saved this man's arm. It's like, yeah. but he's he's ours, and we can do what we like with him. Well, so yeah, John, uh, get rid Johnson's of the arm. cold then, isn't he? Because Johnson's just like he signed a release form when he joined the force. Technically, mm. we can do whatever he wants. Mm. He's legally dead. Yeah. Jeez. And then, yeah, you were saying about sort of you get this sort of like, yeah, his consciousness shutting down and almost like a rebirth to, to RoboCop. <laughs> and then the film itself reveals RoboCop in in these layers. So first of all, what he sees, and yeah, then yeah. there's a little bit um, behind mesh and behind frosted glass, sort of yeah. a little bit in a mirror, and a little bit wow. behind plastic. In, in a very, I might not and get then, the order right. A bit behind plastic, and then it and the precinct. Yeah. yeah, I think you hear him, don't you? Hear his footsteps. You hear yeah, his footsteps you before you actually see him. Yeah. <laughs> Be good to get that sound effect, Lloyd, because it's just amazing that, like, when the door opens, it's like the kind of sound. And yeah, I take my orders from I always think this, this with um, Verhoeven that some, some of the special effects things that he does or, or has his team do. They probably shouldn't work 
but they seem to work so well. You know, like, you know they're not real, they're overdone, but somehow it works better. Like you were saying, like, rather than having CGI, it it's like, and you get it, you know, Total Recall's a really good example of that, that certain things that happen, yeah. that it's kind of, it's it's like film bordering on comic book, but not quite there, rather than full CGI, mm. and you buy into it really, really easily. Yeah, like the, you know, what, like when he takes his, his, his helmet off, his mask yeah. off, amazing and you see it it's i just remember thinking that's just brilliant you know this 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 guy is a robot <laughs> you know you watch it please as well when he's taking out the screws i forget if it was yeah. a phillips head or something more specific <laughs> but he seems to have the part for his drill probably anyway. talks probably talks you've never got yeah. a bloody talks must be like a t9 or something like that i'm going to be in q now by a whole t-step just to get my helmet off for god's sake he's in there being q going like that would be head. amazing. That would be amazing. That Lloyd, if he'd said, well, Lewis, Lewis, have you got have you got a flat head? He takes these screws out, and what was good, it, you know, they didn't just uh, cut any corners. The screws were, were, were sort of that long, which is mm. kind of showing it's screwing right into some sort of Android thing, where they could have just like, you know, just take an easy way, and it's a little screw coming out of you know something something that long yeah. or something. But you know, even even that attention to detail was really good. Yeah. Absolutely. Is that, this has only just occurred to me. Is that is that a really subtle reference to Frankenstein? Could be, yeah. Yeah, the bolts taken out. Well, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. So whilst we're on the subject of the the suit, um, there's a few stories, a few things about the suit. I remember when I first watched it, or my memory of having watched it, I thought that the suit was just like a silvery grey. But mm. more recently watching it, it's like a kind of purpley blue um it, it's not a normal sort of metallic color at all is it it's kind of a sort of more thematic thing really well, it was presumably a choice choice made due to lighting more than anything else mm -hmm. you're saying it's so. like an like an iridescent xr2i you might see that some boy <laughs> racers got these days <laughs> i suppose sort of so these you're days, aging yourself now. XR2i these days. <laughs> that's a souped up fiesta isn't it your boxy one, <laughs> but um, one of the reasons why um, Peter Weller was was chosen not just because of his acting skills, but um, you know they, they talked about having somebody like Arnie at one point, and they just said he would, he would just look ridiculous in this suit. It's too too big because it's it's too big. Up, need someone slight because everything you got to believe there's no one in there. It's basically a robot. Yeah. It's, you know, it's going to be too big. Because there's so many parts of it. I believe when he first were putting on him, it was like ten hours to put him in. Yeah, to put him in costume. And it, and he was losing some like three pounds of 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 weight a day on oh, with yeah, water, water loss. Weight, yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. And they they ended up having to like install some sort of like fan in there just to kind of keep him cool. And they he couldn't wear the full suit in a car, which is ironic because he's driving around a lot. So apparently he was like in his underwear his and his top off. Yeah, yeah. I, like, yeah. I just like the idea of filming that. Is there a, just like it's like somebody zooming now when they're in a they're in work. Talking, talking allegedly. Talking about semi robo pants. Um, Lewis uh, Nancy Allen um, yeah. to feel more masculine um, started wearing um, men's underwear, didn't she? Oh, really? Yeah, in the movie, allegedly. Um, so she was. She realised she wanted to just like really get into the part. It was, it was. It's a tough woman, but she wanted to feel a bit more. I don't. I, you know, 
it's not right to say it these days, is it? But like there, she was probably thinking, I want to feel a bit more masculine because I, so I can fit yeah. into a masculine role because it was very polarized back then, wasn't it? And so Lewis was crossing over it almost a genre. So she was, she wore like boxer shorts to to make her feel a bit more, um, I don't know, tough, I guess, and and more, you know, more more, more sort of gritty. Did you hear the story? I quite like, like this story. I, I want it to be true. Is that um, Peter Weller was trying to be a bit of a method actor and he wanted to be like just Robocop on set and he would only respond if people called him Robo. <laughs> everyone, just, everyone was just laughing at him saying, you're not Robocop. Stop it. And he just gave up. Going, oh, you're all idiots. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't it wasn't it Verhoeven who just refused to do it so that you just like could have no dialogue with them? Yeah. Was he on the version of Fired as well? He did. He had a massive robo strap. Because <laughs> he he'd um because he's like a method actor, he he basically thought of his own concept of how Robocop should move. So he'd gone and trained with some classical mime, mime, mime artist. It was mime artist. Was a mime artist, so he'd come back in, and he, he was showing all these moves of almost like ballet. Yeah, Robocop pulling up. Anyone, anyone listening to the podcast, Adam's currently doing some mime movements. Sorry, continue, Lloyd. And so, they, 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 at first when he was shown it, it was completely not with the vision of Verhoeven and and everybody else producing the movie. Um, however, there are still some elements that he does bring in as well to it. Um, but yeah, but he, had to, he had to completely change the way he moved in the suit yeah. because he didn't get it till three weeks into production. And he was supposed to have those three weeks to get used to moving in the suit. And the suit was so much heavier yeah. than he was expecting. So he had to completely redesign, for want of a better word, the way he moved in that suit. It is good, though, because it's like it's well, elegant robotic, isn't it? Like when he's in the, um, yeah. the factory and he's yeah. moving. Yeah. And moves different parts of his body independently. It is, yeah. you know, it, it has worked. It is, it is a really good uh, performance. So on, on the um, on the the factory scene, which is like the, the the sort of biggest cocaine factory that's ever been in a film, I think. <laughs> um, and uh, they had loads and loads of problems on set with the automatic weapons that they were apparently locking after about only about three or four seconds. So yeah. that's how long they had to film each bit. So the the reason why it's so fast paced and it chops constantly is because of these issues they had but it works so well because i remember watching that thing it's just just frenetic you know everything from all angles it cuts constantly to mm. this that and the other and it's like our show i've only got like when i'm editing it i don't really work with like five second segments at a time and that's what it is so dramatic <laughs> that's because you know, that's how much you see the... that's the maximum amount of coherent dialogue you get at any at any given point <laughs> yeah <laughs> I want to. I, I want to ask you guys your your it's a thoughts on this, scene, though, isn't it, Adam. It, it is, and the, there's there's so many different parts to it because obviously there's there's the fact that Bodica's like thrown his weight around with these other cocaine dealers yeah. or producers. Dips, it, dips and, his fingers in the white, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> and this is all going this is, on. This is brilliant. Before like Robocop's turn, turned up, and then obviously. They're together against him, even though they're completely opposed. They were, they were just about to shoot each other, probably, when he comes in. But they're opposed for, uh, against him. Um, and then you know you you see you see the sort of I suppose the benefit of Robocop over a normal cop because of the way he's able to see see everything around him and work out and all the distances as well with bullets. Yeah, yeah. Because you can Absolutely. see a lot of powder flying all around as he's 
bullets just going left, right, and centre, and loads hitting him as well. But it's also got that air of inevitability about it, hasn't it? Because you know what it's kind of going to end up leading to. It's going to end up being him with Clarence Bodica, and he's going to kill him, and then you find out something else that, yeah. that that's going to change things. Um, one of, one of the questions I, I, I was really intrigued to ask you guys is whether you felt the same as me. Um, who would you say is your favourite? And I don't mean the most likable. I mean, who's your most favourite character from Robocop? Lloyd. What were the when you when you watch the credits, Adam? What were the names of the um, of those two that were in Bob Norton's house? <laughs> Hooker A and Hooker B. Booker T. Book a team. <laughs> um, I hate Johnson, but I kind of like him as well because he does amuse me, especially with tastes just like baby food and that sort of thing. <laughs> he's like yeah, he's got colleagues, isn't he? He's another one that adds an air of whimsy, doesn't he? Um, yeah. The, the fact that he, that, to be honest, it, somehow he treads the line, doesn't he? Over he's he's really nice. You can imagine him going home and he's got a wife and three kids. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he's doing all this stuff, and it's like you know, like. But what about what about Kitty who's just died? And he goes, "Life in the big city," or whatever he says. So when he goes, yeah. oh, "Okay," <laughs> you know, mm, baby food. <laughs> so he's sort of like neutral in the whole he's movie. Nice, yeah, quite, he's not yeah. a nice person, though, is he? He's, he's desensitized. He's just living within the corporate world. Um, Bob's Bob Norton's quite a cool character. Um, Lewis, I like Lewis a lot. Lewis is hard as nails. Um, Murphy, I can you know. Take or leave him, really. <laughs> you know, <coughs> he's all right. He's a bit of a Boy Scout as a cop, and Robocop's quite cool. But I, I think Clarence Bonica is a very, very intricate character. I like, I like Clarence a lot. I, I think. And what uh, about you, Dave? Go on, what about you, Dave? Uncharacteristically, for me, I'm going to give you a concise answer. Hundred percent, Clarence Bonica by far. Thank you. For me, the the best, yeah. the just the just the the absolute cold dry comedy throughout yeah. from him he's just he's just yeah. cutting throughout What's, and he's cool it, and he's it's it, 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 he it. when he goes in that drug den and he's just he puts his fingers in the wine whatever but then he's kind of like he's got his entourage with him who pull out their guns and everyone else but, but he's only got like three or four guys and then there's a whole factory of guns pointed on him and he's still confident yeah. he's like guys 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 guns 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 or whatever he says yeah it's just like well, his confidence he's not worried at all is he Mm. Guns, guns, guns! Come on, Sal! Tigers are playing! Two nights! I never miss a game. That's that's why I uh, that's why I was really intrigued to ask the question, because you, you took a bit of time to get there, Lloyd, but when you ended up on Carrots Bodico, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna stop you talking now and go straight on to Dave. Um I think by far the the most interesting and and amazing character that the the perhaps the least likable character in many ways is Clarence Bodica, but so much to him, so much depth. They they chose an actor, didn't they? Who was, you know, not known for that kind of thing at all, completely yeah, straight exactly. laced, you know. And yeah. a lot of the stuff that he did was improvised. So the you know, and that's the way Jimmy I fly, Barbie, um, yeah. and um, spitting the and blood, spitting the blood, spitting the yeah. blood, yeah, Booking. and also. One of my, my favourite things about it is, you know, when he um, he's horrible to Dick Jones's secretary in uh, as he like is going into Dick Jones's room and he sort of sits there and he's sort of like really slimy towards the secretary yeah. and she's like, oh, who that that's his real life wife." 
Is it his, <laughs> wife? Just, his own wife? That's his. His yeah. It's that's um, why probably doing it then. The the actor's wife, but there's, there's something about the way he he portrays that character. He's from start to finish. He's this horrible person, isn't he? So even like, you know, when Emil says, what do you mean you want us to, to drive slower? The first scene that you see him. And it hits him really hard, doesn't he? So like, how dare you question me? Then he throws this guy. Then he then, then he does that, you know, shooting him in the hand and says, you know, give the man a hand. So he's, he's making little jokes, even when he's just hurting somebody, you know, killing somebody. All the way through, he just doesn't care. And even when... He's been thrown through all the windows and stuff in the, the sort of cocaine factory. He's still got that kind of air of there's something. That's the only time I think. The only time where you think he thinks he's going to die here. He's got to do something different. He's doing you know, get like out, actually, yeah, get out jail yeah, free card now. Yeah. Isn't it? I've got to play this card that I didn't want to play. But it's the only time in the whole film that you kind of feel like he's afraid of something, and he's not really afraid any other time. Even like right up to the end scene. He still thinks he's gotten beat like that. Leon's got the crane over him, hasn't he? Um, he still feels like he's in control and he doesn't care about anyone or anything. I think it's such a good character, such a good bad guy. Yeah, yeah, he's brilliant. And it went, you know, in complete sort of almost oxymoron for him to go and work on that 70s show. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> played that character yeah. and I played a dad on a, you know, a comedy, very lighthearted thing. But that, that's what it works. That's why it works to use him in that role anyway. Yeah, and even down to that, they they had the glasses, didn't they? There was the idea of him looking like uh, was it Heinrich Himmler or something? Himmler, yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, they, he didn't, they know. Exactly. didn't realise that, did he? That was just no. for Hoven's thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, why am I wearing these glasses? They look good. <laughs> you look good. You look good. You look like John Lennon. You look cool. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm excited to do trading places now, but um, we're not far off. I'm, not. I'm petrified. Lloyd, question to you. What is Directive One? Serve the public trust. Do you know where that came from? Um, isn't it part of the I don't know, you know, you know, like you've got the um the doctor's thing, whatever it's called, isn't it? The, the police equivalent. Allegedly, it was in a, um, a fortune cookie. <laughs> is it? Yeah. Dave, what is Directive 2? Um, protect the innocent. And Lloyd, you must have the easiest job in the world now. What is Directive 3? Uphold the law. <laughs> Thank you. What about, what about the fourth directive? Um, so, Dave, uh, it's a double part question. <laughs> What's a directus? What's a directus? <laughs> directus for this is, this is embarrassing, isn't it? Come on. Um, so, so Dave, what is exactly directed for? That he's not allowed to to I think hurt or kill an employee of OCP. Yeah, I think that's pretty close. Pretty close. Thank you for the amendment. For those who are listening on the podcast, it makes no difference what's coming up on the screen. Um, I, I quite, I quite like with the the directive four part that um, it just added a little bit of extra intrigue. So you kind of knew that sort of what was going on, but you didn't know exactly mm. what it meant. Um, yeah. And and I think that was. Another thing that gave that kind of air of invincibility to to him and to Dick Jones as well, wasn't it? And um, 
you know, I, I love that as the, the sort of the, the end scene where he's like, Dick, you're fired. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, great. Yeah. Director four has gone. Do you think it's a little bit disconcerting, the complete lack of safety glass at, at, on the top floor of a skyscraper? <laughs> it's not um, like a stocks and trades building, though, is it? So <laughs> they're fine with it. I was reading as well, you know, the uh, the infrared scene. Did you do you hear about that? You know, the, the one in the, the mayor's office. People were naked to save money he, he, and not have to buy an infrared camera. He made people yeah. film the scene naked and he did something to, to, yeah, to it was, get the same effect. Yeah, they, they were naked and uh, painted with fluorescent uh, body paint. And he filmed it with a black light because <laughs> he was like being cheap. <laughs> so I'm sure they were delighted about <laughs> I also like the idea that the, um, you know, that brilliant scene where he's um, he's walking uh, out of the station and uh, they throw the keys and he catches it, and it's like really cool. He catches the keys and carries on walking. Apparently, that took 50, 50 takes because he just kept I just love the idea of leaving all of them in. We just. <laughs> <laughs> Last scene is like, yeah, I got this, and just flies over his head. I would suggest yeah. a modification involving his spike might be a lot easier. Mind you, he'd have to have it. He'd constantly have to have his finger in the in the hole with magnet me. hands. <laughs> <laughs> or your spare change as well. And a few like watches and coins. But it's funny, like Lou was saying how young you were you were when you first watched it. I, I remember like because I was similarly that young. Um, one of the things that like really appealed to me was, you know, that when he he he, he sticks his finger middle finger up at somebody, uh, like I found that really amusing because I was like nine or ten years old and I was watching it. And um, I think I think there were yeah there were little moments where that kind of levity really helped drive along the story. And again, bring you back to that desensitizing thing. They added in loads of, the, you know, all of that stuff with the, you know, the humor or the um, the video clips or the, I think it was, you could buy a, was it a Jensen or a Suzuki Heart or whatever it was. And remember, yeah. we care. All of that was added just to add to that levity, that kind of, you know, it's not as violent as you think, you know, it's not as bad a film as you think, you know, there's, there's, there's some light to the dark. And, I don't think there's many films that do that, really. You know, that, that are so serious, and then they have those little, real, like, complete, like, I don't know, fadeaways to something, something like that, and then it returns to the serious thing again. Well, it's, got, it's almost like you know, like Austin, Austin Powers when they do the, the cuts to him dancing, and then it goes yeah. back to the film again. It's like it's almost nothing to do with yeah. it. Yeah. So what's the point? What's the point? You know, this Bixby Snyder, this this chat show host, who says I'd buy that for a dollar. Yeah, yeah. And he appears in two different places. Yeah. And it works as brilliant, and it's one of the most memorable quotes in the movie. Everyone knows I'd yeah. buy that for a dollar. But yeah. there's literally in context, there's literally no significance to that, is there? No, and they don't explain it at all. They don't. They it's don't. Just a crap, sleazy, cheesy host in context in the movie. It's just a crap TV show, isn't it? That's just. In that universe, yeah, yeah. and they, they, want to create, they want to create a media world, don't they? So you've got the, you've got the the news anchors, you've got Casey Wong and his uh, and his co-anchor, you've got all these adverts, but you've also got television programs as well, which is yeah. ingrained in the culture because everybody knows it, and that's why everyone knows the catchphrase as well. So it's it's creating this whole 
textured landscape of the movie, not just yeah. the plot of the film, but it's all and what's going on in terms of the police and the uh, redevelopment. But it's also culturally, yeah, we've got we've got chat shows, we've got um, programs, we've got comedies, we've got adverts, and it, it's just adds. Well, it's to not that just texture. that, is it? I mean, they created a whole universe. You said, like, was it an hour and forty-five minutes? And you feel like you feel like you're grounded in a universe that's believable. You've yeah, got yeah. the the, the six thousand SUX, six thousand yeah. SUX, the car. You've got TJ Later. You've got Newcomb, another quality yeah. home game from Butler Brothers. You've got the Cobra family game, Assault isn't it? Cannon. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just really rich, isn't it? And, what, and textures. What's the What's the game that's like? Get is it Newcomb? The get them before yeah. they get you. Yeah, I love yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah. yeah. And everyone's itching <laughs> to press the button. And then... But it's prop. It's 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 just totally believable. It's like a pastiche of all of those really bad board game adverts that we actually had yeah. in the eighties on TV. Yeah, that, that and, cheesy style. And also, like, kind of like Lloyd's, Lloyd's sort of alluded to that the the idea of everything mad is going on behind um, one of the characters, and he's outside drinking a, a, a bottle of liquor. From a brown paper bag, but he loves his program. He loves watching his is I buy that for a dollar program, um, which I think in the in the backstory they talk about it being called a program called It's Not My Problem or something like that. But we don't actually know that when we watch it, and because he he can't quite hear the program, he smashes the window of the yeah, shop. Without, he, he doesn't even think about it, does he? He's like, oh, I just want to turn the telly up, like so. I'll smash this window. There's no okay. thought process. It's this is just what I feel like doing right now, yeah. and the. the the, the funny thing about the um, the SUX, apparently they they use the the Ford Taurus as the the vehicle for police cars because it looked quite um, futuristic at the time, um, and the Pontiac Six Thousand was the competition for the Ford Taurus at the time. So as a kind of like a dissing of the Pontiac, they call it the Six Thousand Sucks. Yeah. Um, so that's why it's a Six Thousand SUX. But also, but also they, they the idea of. Yeah, but that's the brilliant thing. It's like that's the other thing about kind of Spodica, even though they they're in his crew, they're not his friends. Like the moment like he turns up, he's like, yeah. You got the same car as me. He's like, well, I'm gonna blow up your car, so now you haven't got the same car as me. Yeah. <laughs> How do you think um life would look after Robocop rather than the made they made the sequel that we watched? What do you think it should have developed like as a story? I I don't think this is a should have developed it this way, but I always assumed it was going to go down the road of Lewis because when she's suffering from gunshot wounds at the end, lying in all that dirty water, getting infected, uh, Murphy's like, um, something what's like, uh, they'll, they'll fix you. They always do or something like that. Mm -hmm. Talking about OCP, oh, they'll fix you. Yeah. Like they fix me. Or, I forget the line. But uh, so I always assumed it was going to be Murphy then. So they'd be like, a robo duo sort of thing. Yeah, like, and they, um, they... Half punk going around solving crimes. Are <laughs> you saying robo Jewish then? That's something completely different. <laughs> you know, you do know there's um, you do know there's a a, a robot a Robocop sequel in development and has been since 2018, which is Off a direct continuation one. from from Robocop One, and it forgets anything that happens after. Oh, Robocop One. Yeah, so if it gets about two and three, the crap sequels. And the remake as well. Yeah, and it's going to be called Robocop Returns. It's been in development since 2018. And Neil Blanc Blomkamp was attached to it for ages, but he Ooh, eventually awesome. dropped out. That would yeah. be good for the tech aspect, wouldn't it? Yeah, and I, th I think it's still happening at some point. 
Oh, that, that, and they'd they'd clearly use a certain actor if that was the case, wouldn't they? One of Dave's favorite actors. Get down, well, Charlotte Coffley. He was he was on my mind for this role, but you know, there's all sorts of associations, isn't there? Chappie was he was he in Chappie? Yeah, not? he was yes. Chappie. He was Chappie. Yeah, exactly. So that's why I couldn't. I mean, <laughs> we'll, we'll come on to talk about it. You, I, I'm 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 far more predictable than you, than you guys. Have, but have, I just, have you seen Chappie? My brain just goes. My brain just goes. Who's ever played a cyborg? Let's just write them down. <laughs> so, at what point do you stop being human and you become just the robot? And I think in these sorts of films, especially with Robocop, it says like the, the human always remains. That'll always kind of win it's, through. You might be completely robotic, but if you've got the human brain, you're, you've, you know, it's that, that it's, issue it's of exploring not, soul, not just isn't that, it? Because the human brain is a CPU in all intents and purposes. The one thing, it, does the humanity remain in that android or that um, whatever it is? Is basically it's the free will element, I think. The conscious, the, the able to, the ability to make free thoughts. So we were talking about um, special effects before, and a lot of them are obviously physical effects, as was mainly the case back then in stop motion and stuff. Um, did, did you realise, though, that the actual digital effects that are in the movie were all done on a Commodore Amiga? No. Think about that. How amazing is that? That's nice. Done on a Commodore Amiga. Yeah. And the, the other thing I wanted to just ask about the stop motion stuff. Like, this is simple. When I watch Robocop with the Ed 209 stop motion, you know, it, there's kind of a, a crap nostalgia about it, isn't the same with when you see the, the Hellhounds in Ghostbusters? You know it's a bit crap now looking back, but you kind of forgive it. Yeah. But I was, I've always wondered, like, it's the same thing with Ghostbusters. You know, if they were going to do some kind of anniversary kind of re-release and they actually went to the effort to redo those special effects, do you think that it would it would benefit the movie to redo the Ed 209 scenes fully digitally? No, because it's already something. No one's coming to it fresh, are they? So there's no there's there's no point, and you, you do lose something. You lose the nostalgia of those bits. Mm. So Ed Two Nine was a kick ass design, though. It's brilliant. The stop motion the might do it a bit of a bell helicopter, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, a bit of a yeah. bit of our microphones, <laughs> a bit of a bit of everything on there, and. One of the one of the actual funniest bits in the whole movie is the end. Do you remember the? It comes down the stairs. When no, when Ed Two and Nine dies at the end. Do you remember? It kind of comedy just kind of slowly kind of starts falling down, like start, yeah. it starts almost like whining. Yeah, you couldn't you wouldn't do that these, these days. It's like this sound of a jaguar and the sound of a pig, and then was it was it one of the producers' voices as well, like all together? So uh, Two and Nine, I think it's brilliant. Yeah, I think it's a great concept, really, really uh, and the, like as a as a theory, you can kind of see, you know, the wholly robotic thing is, is the starting point, and also it's much more of what you think a military option would be rather than maybe the human side that's more of a police officer. So you can see why they chose something like that as their their you know character or or the law enforcement officer. I say, I just think Ed Two is great, and do you know what ED stands for of Ed? Yeah. I do. What is it? Enforcement droid. Thank you very much. Do you know where the 209 came from? <laughs> I guess he's the 209th attempt or the 208th revision. 
I don't know. I think they just chose the number because it sounded good. So um, one thing that we, we might forget to do if we're not careful is to uh, rate the film. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That old chestnut. Should we, do our, should we do our ratings for Predator while we're at it? We could do. It's. I think people have noticed us wearing the wrong T-shirts. Um, but uh, I'm glad I'm I'm holding the fort this time. Um, right, okay. I may, I may have been holding the fort last time. So, Lloyd, um, could you please give your popcorn rating for Robocop? Do you know what? It's almost perfect, like predator is as a popcorn movie and some of the others we've seen as well but it's got to lose a little bit because it's not suitable for well it's not suitable for all audiences because it's not a kids film but i think the violence would um would basically alienate a few from watching it for a second time and probably put them off the first time they watch it as well so, it's your popcorn rating remember yeah it's i know not i know i'm thinking how much you enjoy it you'll get how much do you yeah, yeah. I think even for me, it, you know, it does a little bit of, adds a little bit of discomfort. I, I'm going to say nine out of ten popcorn rating for Robocop. It's up there. And Dave, uh, your popcorn rating for Robocop? So I think along with Ghostbusters, it's for me, it's 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 a, it's one of my favourite movies of all time. I think it's I think it's an absolute masterpiece. I think it, it's almost perfect. Just think there's not a kind of a minute of, of screen time that's that's not used effectively, you know, from start to finish. And it doesn't feel frenetic. It feels really, really well paced and everything, but it's always moving along. Um, so I think I'm going to have to see nine and a half out of ten. I'm never going to give ten because that's just that's just in my nature. So nine and a half. I, th I think for me, for a popcorn rating, not too similar to dissimilar to you guys, I think that the fact that it's probably 15, 20 minutes shorter than a lot of films of a similar type or it, it doesn't it doesn't try to explain things too much for the viewer. It is what it is. And the 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 speed with which it tells the story is exactly the speed that you, you want to go at whenever you want to put it on. So if I put it on in the daytime, if I put it on at 11 o'clock at night or 1 in the morning, I still... I'm quite happy watching it. I don't have to fast forward to the bit that I like. I don't have to stop, you know, look at something else. Or I never like this scene. I just watch the whole film in its entirety. And I can even go to bed, having watched half of it, and wake up in the morning and watch the second half. So to me, I'd say easily nine out of 10 popcorn rating. Cool. So having done that, obviously, we're now looking at film rating. This is compared to every other film that anyone's ever seen, what you think it is in terms of how it stands up to every other movie generally is it a filmic masterpiece is it a film that you like but you know that it's rubbish um what would you give the film rating out of five stars dave well i think the first thing to say is pretty obvious that hopefully no movie that we're ever going to talk about here is going to get a, a low a low critic rating although I guess there's always some potential. We're called the Great Movie Show. It's not ideally that's not just our opinion, but I think I think um, when we do Showgirls, will be a mixed bag of scores probably when we do the critics you know rated. I think I must have seen Showgirls, but I, I genuinely can't remember. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I thought you'd go. Do you know what? I must have seen Showgirls <laughs> two thousand, three thousand times. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that. Yeah, that's why my eyesight's so poor. Um, 
And you're like, sit half, <laughs> like that one side. Um, yeah, so, I mean, uh, Robocop is considered to be a masterpiece. It's it's in, I know I've got uh, the, the 1001 movies to, to watch before you die, it's in there. And there's that, that spans 100 years of cinema and so many genres and so many classics. You know, and out of five stars, we're talking about, you know, 20%, 40%, 60%, 80%. I can't give it 100%. For obvious reasons, similar to what I've just talked about, so it's going to have to be four out of five, unless I push the envelope and give it four and a half. But I think I think four out of five feels about right from a from a critic perspective. Sure, final final answer. No, I'm feeling I'm feeling a bit stingy now. I think I'm going to have to push it to four and a half. <laughs> okay, four and a half for Dave. So crumble under pressure so easily. Um... I agree with Lloyd. a lot of the points. I agree with a lot of the points Dave just said. Um, it, it's a fantastic film from our from the eighties, from our childhood. Um, does everything it's supposed to do. Um, in terms of a critics, uh, Mark, though, I think probably my base would I'd be starting at three and a half, just because of I don't know some of the elements to it in terms of looking at it as a from all sides as as what a movie needs to do. Um, Verhoeven, yeah, he's, he's a great artist putting things together. He's produced something which is great from a popcorn perspective. Has he done something which is amazing for a from a critic's perspective and a holistic view? So three and a half from base, but I think like Dave, I feel like yeah, it has done a lot of the things. So I'm going to uplift to four, four out of five critics rating. Great. It's doing really well so far. Um, I... Don't disagree with a lot of what you're saying, uh, but I, I, I was starting at three and a half, um, and one of the things that's been bugging me a little bit is what do I think of it compared to Total Recall? And maybe that's unfair, um, but I was thinking of is it the the best film that Verhoeven's made as far as I'm concerned? And, and it isn't. I think Re Total Recall is a better film. I prefer watching Total Recall. I think there's more going on. Um, maybe it's the, maybe it's the theme rather than the, the way it's made, but I'd probably put Total Recall at four out of five. They're, di they're different though, aren't they? Because Total Recall is more immersive, and you just you sit there and you feel it. Where Robocop yeah. is a short film, very snappy, very violent. Um, yeah. It's getting its messages messages across very very quickly, and then it's done, and you're like left with the experience. Where uh, Total Recall is. Yeah. It's got its ebb and flow, hasn't it? Total Recall and I find you know, they're Total in peril. Really, it's a bit chilled. I find Total Recall really cheesy because of Arnie's performance and his accent. Um, I find Robocop a lot more credible. Yeah, but Doug Quaid is an Austrian guy living um, with the dream of going to Mars. So why wouldn't you use Arnie? <laughs> it's a story that's been told so many times before. <laughs> it's actually an Austrian old old uh, folktale. <laughs> so um anyway um so for those reasons um i would give um robocop three and a half stars mm. do you know it's what still an amazing film but I'm, yeah i'm 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 redacting half so i'm going with three and a half as well actually Ooh. are we locked in now the golf is is is, is emphasized yeah this I'm guy doesn't know half. what he's talking about four and a half stars <laughs> That's why they're opinions, Dave. They're for you to have. Yeah. 
So this is uh, Trading Places. This is when we get the opportunity to recast our favorite characters uh, with modern day actors. Um, sometimes we agree, sometimes we completely disagree. Um, we've chosen this week as our main characters, um, Murphy, obviously, Lewis, uh, Clarence Bodica, Dick Jones, and Bob Morton. So Dave, perhaps uh, we'll start in reverse order. What do you think of Bob Morton? I'm loving the fact that the one character that I already told you that I really struggled with was the one that you thought you'd start off with and put the focus on me. So let's, let's you know, things can only get better. Oh, come let's on, it's, it's like easy, that. this one. Toby Maguire, oh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, honestly, I really struggled with Bob Morton. I think Miguel Ferrer, however you pronounce his name, who played him in the original, he's quite an unusual-looking guy if you actually, like, look at pictures of him um I, I know like the general vibe of the character and stuff is um you know he's kind of this cocky kind of arrogant up-and-coming kind of yuppie character isn't it so i just really struggled to find someone that i thought could kind of replicate that um so i came up with i don't know why <laughs> no i don't know why there was just something about when I say the name and, and, and you know what I'm talking about, something about about the vibe or something. So I went for Paul Anderson, who plays Arthur Shelby in Peaky Blinders. So, you know, the Mark okay. one. Yeah. By order of Dave. Yeah. Uh, by order of I don't see that. Anderson. I don't see it. Well, I'll be honest, I'm not that I, I'm not that that convinced either, but I really, okay. really struggled to so I'm I'm intrigued to know who you two went for, to be Go honest. On then, Adam. Adam, who's yours? Okay, so I think that there's no point trying to replicate Miguel Ferrer. Um, if I was trying to replicate, the closest I thought I could get is Titus Welliver. I don't know if you know him. He's um, Hieronymus Bosch from the Bosch series on Amazon Prime. Yeah. Um, also plays loads of different characters. You, you, he's he's got a kind of... He's a bit yeah. And, and so I was thinking, do you know what? Let's look at the character, and they, they try to go for someone who is, you know, trying to get to the top quickly, perhaps isn't as ruthless as Dick Jones, might even be a bit, bit of a nice guy, but kind of, I don't know, prepared to step on a few toes. So I've decided to go out of left field. I've gone for Himesh Patel, you know, from uh, EastEnders and Yesterday. Oh, yeah. 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 And I think that yeah. actually... I can see him in that role doing that thing. Mainly, I can see him having his kneecap shot off and uh, struggling in that moment. Um, but uh, yeah, I think Himesh Patel would actually do a do a good role as yeah, Bob Morton. Actually, yeah, he's doing really well at the moment. Yeah, I do like what he's doing. Um, I've gone. I've kind of sort of like recast it now. We're shooting. We're shooting the original film, but now, so it's someone who can play a bit corporate. Is a good actor. Could be a bit cocky, can show a bit of vulnerability. I think they're a bit, I don't know, I think they might be a bit too slight because Bob Morton still kind of held his own with Dick Jones. But anyway, I've gone for uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Cool. Uh, my yeah, Bob I like Morton. that. I thought, you know, he's, it wasn't a perfect match, but I think I'm happy with it. I can I can live with that choice. He was, uh, he was on my list. He was on my list because, yeah, I, I can see those sort of qualities of... What what he's like in um, Inception, I suppose, is what yeah. I was. Yeah, and then like he about. can hold his own because you know in um, in Looper, you know he's a bit tougher and stuff. 
you know, um, yeah, I could just, I could see him in a sort of suit. He's, he's kind of like just trying to fight his way up through the corporate world. And, you know, he's got his own ideas and forcing them through a little bit as well. I just, yeah, I, I figured he could do that. Um, okay. So Lloyd, you, you, um, you go straight on to Dick Jones. Who is your right, Dick? Dick Jones. <laughs> I, 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 I went around the houses here and then I kind of just made myself choose in the end. I wanted someone who's ruthless, but doesn't necessarily. I know, like Ronnie Cox, he digged as soon as he's on the screen. Apart from when he was, you know, when he was in um, Beverly Hills Cop, uh, Beverly Hills Cop Two, a bit of a nicer edge to him. But the other films, you know, especially the Verhoeven ones, you just get this air of like horridness to him straight away. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I wanted to go for someone who could be corporate, and you wouldn't know was attached to Bodica at the start. And yeah. but you could they could still sort of bring it round, and I've just gone completely left field here. Uh, because they'd just be taught, you know, they'd be delivering something, but they could be quite cold. And I thought it'd be really interesting to use Tom Hanks as Dick Jones. Oh, okay, I like yeah. it. Dave, do you like, what do you think, Dave? <laughs> Your eyes are David's unhappy. No, I think, I think it'd be, I think if 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 people had never seen Robocop nor knew any of the characters, then I think it would work as a kind of like you know. The, the whole kind of subterfuge of, of him being, you know, of him Wilson. Playing <laughs> yeah, I think I think a straight remake of Robocop. <laughs> if, 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 if Tom Hanks was, was playing Dick Jones, you just know that he was Dick Jones, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about you, Dave? Oh, that was mine. Like, can I guess, Dave's? Um, go on then, Dave. Dave what Pro is the name of your dick? Dave. Dave profiles by age, looks. Uh, yeah, age, appearance, and other things yeah. we got in. So I'm thinking how 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 Dick Jones looks, and I think uh, Dave's gone for Aaron Eckhart for Dick Jones. Too young, <laughs> damn it! So you've got to consider when you cast. Obviously, you've got to consider the cast as an ensemble. Yeah. So it's not just each person in isolation without any. You know, there's got to be relative age compared. For me, I think compared to the original. So you know, Dick Jones has got to be older than the other, doesn't he? So there was a few here, and um, the the one, and I did really, really, really struggle to to finally make a decision, and I'm still not 100 percent convinced. So the names that I've got here, Keith, I had Kiefer Sutherland as a, as a Dick Jones. Um, I've got Ben Mendelsohn, who's one of my kind of go to bad <laughs> yeah, guy actors. Yeah, I really like him, and he's kind of the character he plays in Ready Player One. Is a bit Dick yeah, Jones. Yeah, it is. Isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's exactly yeah, Dick but, Jones. But he's 52, he's still probably too young. And I had Josh Brolin as well. But Josh Brolin's just he's too good looking and, and, and even young looking he, to play like an old an old. But how old do you think how old do you think Dick Jones is? You know, that I was thinking well, this. It's, he's probably only like, 40 in Robocop. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think he's in his 40s. Now. I do, I think he's in his 40s, but we yeah. were watching it and we we because I think the old man is like another 20 years on him, so the old man's like so, in his 60s. Yeah, 60. Yeah. So I don't think you have to go that old, but it sounds like you have. Have you gone for Liam yeah. Liam Neeson or? I haven't gone. Well, yeah, I've gone quite old actually. Um, I was thinking just more about it's kind of like um, the bad guy credentials, really. So I ended up going for Willem Dafoe. Okay, he's cool. not too old. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, do you know what he popped in my head at one point? Yeah, yeah. that's cool. Few. <laughs> I've got. Rubber I've got it. I've gone a, a bit younger because I was thinking with the Himish Patel, Bob Morton character, I wanted somebody who was, say, 
I don't know, maybe 10 years older, 15 years older, so 40s, mid-40s, um, that came across as could hold their own, could be corporate, but also you could see that they were really ruthless. Um, so I've gone with uh, Michael Fassbender. Yeah. Yeah. Because I can, I can cer- certainly see him being ruthless enough to not care about killing anyone. Yeah, it's all right. Um, I love it. It's all right, though. It's all right. Yeah, I can get that. Yeah. Um, so Dave, if we go to Clarence Bodica, Clarence Bodica, Clarence Bodica, I had a few for this. I'm actually really happy with my choice for Clarence Bodica, although I did break my own rule, I think, about age relativity. But my reasoning is it really doesn't matter how old Clarence Bodica is in, in a Robocop movie. There's no, I think that it's important the difference between Bob Morton and Dick Jones, for example, that yeah. has to be. That that age, but Clarence is a is a is a criminal. He could be young, he could be old. It doesn't yep. really matter. So, um, I had two. There was two on the shortlist, and for me, they're quite similar. I, I, I almost at times in the past I've got them confused. Just something about the roles they play, and even the actual things that they've appeared in. So one of them was Norman Reedus. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And that may have popped into my brain because I watched the Blade trilogy this week when I was off work. So, um, Good call. I, the, the, the person I eventually settled on is Michael Rooker. I think it would make an awesome yeah. Clarence Bodiker. Yeah. I just think he's it's got that. Bad. He's got he's got that light and isn't dark he, thing going on. Isn't he about eighty now, though, Michael Rooker? No, he's one hundred and three. Because he he was a uh, mole rats, wasn't he? He was he did an episode of the Equalizer. I remember him in as well. He's in his, He's in his sixties, I think. Right. No, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. How about you, Lloyd? That's, that's all right, Dave. Um, I started going down the same sort of route as Dave. Um, so, I, I, and, but I also wanted someone that you wouldn't expect to be the criminal. You know, they can walk around. Clarence Bodica, if he's not being all the cocky thing, he could walk around looking quite respectable, couldn't he? You wouldn't expect him to be a crime boss and so ruthless and so evil to kill people. So, at first, I thought discounted the age thing. I was thinking, I just want someone that you wouldn't expect, but is very commanding on the screen. So I went for James Spader, but he's a bit, he's a bit too old, but I was thinking James Spader, he's, he's, <laughs> if, you, if you've ever watched him in the American office, he's very, very, he's just, he's so commanding and very manipulative. manipulative and Yeah, exactly. He's really good, but he's yeah. just a bit old for this. So then it went a bit back. He was on my list, by the way. <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah. Then it went another way and I was thinking, right, just someone who, um, you wouldn't expect to be that evil, but you could see him as a baddie. But you know, they could be a bit of a, you know an action star. I went, so I went Mads Mads Mickelson. Yeah, yeah. So the other way, and then they brought it back in the center. I thought I want someone that's going to be unexpectedly evil that you wouldn't expect to, but they can act, um, and you're going to be really shocked when they shoot someone in the head. And Jimmy Mallet. No, but I'm hoping they can just. They can do the performance, and I think they can. I've seen him acting in a few other things, so I, <laughs> I went really madly left field. Uh, Zach Galifianakis. Oh, really? Galifianakis. Yeah, I thought it'd be shocking awesome. for him to be in that role, but I think it would just be. Can you see him doing it? Can you? I can see him giving the lines, you know, with his face and stuff. Have you seen it. between two ferns? Here and there, yeah. I saw a bit of the uh, Matthew you've McConaughey got- one. He's, he's capable of being fairly, fairly obviously in a tongue-in-cheek way. But yeah. I actually, I think that would be quite entertaining. It would, wouldn't it? Because yeah. as long as he, could, you know, he do it all deadpan. There'd be no comedy apart from the dry comedy of Clarence Bodica. 
And just for him yeah. to be there delivering these lines, but he's got the authority behind him because he's got he's got no he's got no barrier between him doing these evil things. So you might think, oh, he's not very threatening, but he's gonna, yeah. I just it just seemed to work when I thought of him. Uh, I like that. I like that. That's that's a good one. I mean, the whole point of doing this is occasionally we we throw in some people that you know it shouldn't be the same five actors that we just circulate all the same time, yeah. and so bringing in some new new blood. Jennifer um, Lawrence, Ben Mendelsohn, Chris Pratt. <laughs> <laughs> so Chris Pratt is not on my list of these things. Um, I've gone for someone um, for Clarence Bodica that I could like close my eyes and hear saying the same lines. That was the the thing for me is all those iconic lines and like maybe spitting on the desk, that kind of thing, almost doing the same job as um, is it Kurtwood. Smith or whatever his name is, sorry. Um, you know, somebody you could hold their own doing that. And I start thinking about other films from Verhoeven, different actors from there. And I was trying to combine the two. And I settled for somebody who um, I think would be the right age now, um, command the room very, very well. But also you could see having a little bit of charisma at the same time as being really, really evil if they want to be. And that's Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Kevin Bacon. Yeah, he could do kind of like the he's kinda of like the young Willem Dafoe, isn't he? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and because my actors in my in my list, my actors are probably all about each actor's probably ten years younger than each of yours, Dave. That yeah. that allows me to sort of reel it in a little bit. So yeah, Kevin Bacon's my my Clarence Bodica. Sure. So the, the, I think I think uh, to, for me, possibly the easiest and the hardest one was um, Anne Lewis. Um, yeah, Lloyd this, and this I. One, we'll all, all three of us will get the same one initial, and then we'll go. But we then we thought about Lloyd. Lloyd and I think we know what Dave, Dave would choose if he's true to form. Um, he right. might have chosen. I re we reckon that you might have chosen someone, Dave, who. You've chosen before for another role because she would be really good in this role. And then we've gone, we're not choosing her because Dave might choose her. Um, so I'll go first. I won't say who that person was, but um, I had a, a couple of choices. I like the idea of um, an actor who had really short hair and she could play really like strong roles, like fighting roles, that kind of thing. Um and I, I thought of like a number for, of different. Have you gone for Sigourney Weaver circa 1993? I've gone for Sigourney Weaver circa 2021. So I've gone for Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Yeah. Who you know I've, I'm a bit of a fan of. I've um, got Mary Elizabeth, Elizabeth Winstead down for Dave's choice. Because <laughs> I thought <laughs> Dave was going to choose her for Lewis. Yeah. Because I I think I think she'd be perfect because she's exactly the the the, the kind of character actor that you'd expect playing Lewis. So that's who I've chosen. That's why I thought it was Dave. Who's going to say it? Dave's the predictable one on this. No, my my choice for Dave. Can I can I tell you my choice for you, Dave? I you'd thought you'd be really. I thought you'd be really, really like pro Lady Gaga. Okay. Oh no, I haven't got that. <laughs> Lloyd, do you want to go next? I'm going to guess Dave's, and I'm going to tell you um, the others because I chose Dave's initially, and I thought Dave's got it, so I can't. <laughs> Why don't we just change the segment to everyone just guesses what I'm going to guess? So we got we got Gina Carano, 
uh, as Lewis because she can hold her own as uh, this tough ass cop. Have you not chosen her, Dave? No. Well, that's cool. Oh, I might keep her then. You'll find out in a minute. I might keep her. Then I thought um, I went down a whole rabbit hole and I got to Abby Cornish at one point. Oh, yeah. She's kind of kooky. Um, she can act very, very well. And um, she's got like a little tough side to her as well. But then I thought she's a bit too, a bit too pretty, and that's what not what the role's about. It's not about a love interest or a lust yeah. interest for the viewer. Um, so then I went to Natalie Dormer. Right. I just yeah. um, you know she's she can play quite tough. She can play quite classical. She's an Eng English actor. Um, but I could just see her in the role. I remember seeing a picture where she would shaved up one side of her head, and she thought you know she looked a bit kick ass, and I thought. You know, she'd be, she'd be good as Lewis. She's very good. She always builds a rapport with, you know, on screen with um, the people she's acting opposite. So I thought she'd do really well um, opposite Murphy. I like that. Good call. Dave? But this segment of the show is entitled Lloyd and Adam Got It Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so let's do, the, uh, let's do the top three. So oh, God's the sake, Adam, uh, Dave. To be I, fair, what? To be fair, me, Dave. I've... You know, the, there's a there's a there's a large percentage likelihood that of all the people you could choose out of all the actors in the world that would get it wrong. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the odds are pretty I, poor. For me, for me, I find I find it always more interesting to to hear who we almost chose than when we in, unveil who we did choose because I think it yeah. shows that kind of thought process. I think it's interesting. So uh, I was. I don't know what I was looking for in the actresses that I chose, but I guess I was looking for for actresses maybe that aren't 100% you know, known for action roles, really, because because the whole Lewis thing is she doesn't look like she's a, you know, she's a, she's a, I know she's pretty capable, isn't she? But she doesn't look like it, really. She acts she's like it, doesn't she? She, she embodies yeah. the role completely. Yeah, yeah. So the, the, the names that I had, uh, the two, the two that came close, but didn't make it were Amelia Clark um, and yeah. Zoe Sal Zoe Saldana. At one point, I thought switch it up a bit, you know. Oh, yeah. We're going to re remake RoboCop. And um, was thinking, you know, we're going to need to be thinking about, you know, can't just be having 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 white people in all roles, can you? So, um, but I didn't, I didn't go for Zoe Saldana in the end. It was really close. She was, she was, she was, she was there until right before the end. Are you printing your answer, Dave? Are you sending something no. to a printer? You're right. I'm going to take no, over the sheet. I'm just fiddling. I'm My just answer fiddling is. With, <laughs> I'm just fiddling with stationery. Um, so the actress that I finally that I finally settled on was Emily Blunt. I, oh, I was about to say it before. I, I, yeah. I googled top thirty actresses under uh, in their thirties, and she was there. And I thought, nah, no one's going to pick Emily Blunt. We've already had her loads of times. Oh, damn it! I wish oh. you go back in time. Emily Blunt's always somewhere yes. on the list, so that's she's, why I, very, I didn't put her. Very good at it. She's she's very good. She was almost too obvious. That's why I didn't choose her. But she's very good, and I wish I had yeah. chosen her. Right, Robert. Okay, Clark. so um, Amelia okay. Clark's a good call as well. She was she was probably second or third on my list. I just assumed that you'd choose Lady Gaga. Um, so the uh, the the star of the show apparently is um, is Murphy. Um, who would you choose, Lloyd, as your Robocop? As soon as this actor, Joel Kinnaman, fell into the role, yeah, <laughs> I, I couldn't. I couldn't get anyone else in there then, and I was thinking like Ryan Gosling and stuff, for like the way they can act and the way they could basically perform uh, physically. But this actor's too old. But 
he fell into it anyway. Um, and then I couldn't get him out of the suit. Um, so it's Paul Bettany. I like it. Paul, Be- Paul Bettany on my list as well. Very, very really? close to being my Robocop. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, uh, I mean, when we unveil our choices, yours might be different, Adam, but there's an element of you, you naturally gravitate towards actors that have done something similar already. You know, vision, obviously. So it's not even that. You know, it's like the role of obviously vision's there as one of his characters, but it's like, you know, you just you see him. I suppose that you're right, Dave, aren't you? Because you see him, you visualize him acting as vision. But it's just the way he's the way he acts in general, you know. Um, yeah, even in Da Vinci Code, he moves a certain way, he talks in a certain way. He was doing an American mm. accent in a film, or some I've seen him in recently, and he still moves in a certain way, and it feels like that someday it's going to be revealed that Paul Bettany is actually an android. Okay. Hence my choice. So Dave? Dave, your choice? Um, yep. So um, Paul Bettany was on the list for a long... I wanted to go somewhere slightly different with it. I was trying to think of, of actors that... I guess what I was thinking was Peter Weller. I know that he'd done the adventures of Buckaroo Banzai, but he wasn't a huge star, was he? And he was cast more for his kind of unconventional look. So I was trying to think of that. And I was so at one point I was really adamant I was gonna it was gonna be Will Poulter because I'm a massive Will Poulter fan. Oh, yeah. I really, yeah. really like him. Uh, and then I started thinking about people that look a bit unusual. And then I started thinking about Bill Skarsgård. Oh yeah. Yeah, Skarsgård's always too, come up. But he's probably too tall and willowy, to be honest, to pull off Robocop. He was just he just he just he'd be too tall in that suit. You could have look at that bit though, haven't you? Yeah, it doesn't matter how tall. Yeah. You know, you like... you know, you mentioned Will Poulter. Mm. Isn't he the going to be Adam Adam Warlock? Yeah, Adam Warlock. In the New Guardians. Yeah. 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 Apparently, yeah. he's like really kicking it doing that, isn't he? I mean, he did spend a lot of time scrutinizing men's chins and, and lips in the last few days, <laughs> and, and scrutinating them. <laughs> scrutinating. Yeah. But, but then that's your, that's your that's these days, isn't it, Dave? Is that Dave? Is that what you did? Like for for Robocop? Like every time you saw an actor, you just went. No, no, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I mean, I realised I couldn't see anything and that wasn't going to help my research at all. <laughs> um, so the actor that I settled on, again, fairly obvious, I would say. Um, I've got form playing playing these kind of characters already. Um, you've already mentioned him, Adam, in another role. So um, I decided, I thought that Michael Fassbender would, would make a really good Robocop. Yeah, but obviously he, he played an android in was it Prometheus? Yeah, and um, Alien Covenant. Yeah, yeah, but I, th- I just think he'd be great. I think he'd be great as Robocop. I think I think yeah. he's enough of the everyman and believable, you know, with the emotionless kind of thing. Yeah, as well. I'd say so. Yeah, yeah, I like that. But getting on a bit as well, actually. My um, my choice for Murphy was, if you know the film that I've been watching, probably I've watched about six or seven times since. Uh, we we last uh, we last convened. I think it's a brilliant film, um, and I was thinking about if you made Robocop now, how how should you make it? Would it be somebody who's a bit more, you know, edgy as a character? Um, would it be would it be a, a, a white actor? Would it be um, somebody else? Would it would it be female? Um, and I went around the house a little bit, and then I thought, "Am I trying to be too clever? I'm going to try and change too much." Um, and then I was thinking, "No, I really like this actor. He, he can play sort of like different characters within the same film." So I've gone for Jonathan Majors. So 
the harder they fall is the the film I've been watching lots and lots at the moment. But also he he plays Kang, doesn't he, in the uh, in Loki and and the multiverse movies as coming up. I Brilliant think you say Jim Jim Carrey then. No, well, to be honest, I did look at him for um, for Dick Jones at one point because I thought he'd be quite an yeah, interesting, yeah. yeah, as a as a kind of you know him as a comedic actor, but he's he's playing it straight. Um, but no, I, I I thought something about Jonathan Majors that would be would be he could do something that maybe is a bit different. So not yeah. just remaking it, but you know, trying to make it a bit more modern. I mean, if I was trying to remake it exactly, I was looking at someone like Aaron Taylor Johnson, you know, from Kick Ass, and I thought he now probably would sort of fulfil that Peter Weller role. Um, but yeah, I've gone for Jonathan Majors. One of the segments we also like to do here at the Great Movie Show is a form of six degrees of separation where we move from the film that we previously reviewed to the current film. So from Predator through to Robocop, um, we can move through actors, directors, themes, anything we want. It doesn't have to be in six easy steps. It can be one step. It can be uh, 30 steps, depending on how much time we have. Um, sometimes we find that there is just one step, but um, we decide to do a few more. Um, People have different views as to how to get there. Sometimes we'll miss something obvious. Um, and uh, so it's just interesting to see how, without writing the script, uh, different people respond to the particular task in hand. So perhaps, Lloyd, you can tell us, how did you go from Predator to Robocop? Yeah, you know me. I kind of just do it, <laughs> I do it in like <laughs> the shorts about moves for some reason, unless there's a theme, but I can never meet. The, the same detail of the themes you do so i've gone um i've got i've got like a, a a theme thread throughout this but it's only one move so it's predator honest Schwarzenegger, to total recall which we talked about which is directed by paul verhoven which stars ronnie cox as i can't remember his name what's he called can't remember on the wand <laughs> you're gonna go short and sweet <laughs> Can't remember his name. The, the overseeing we, boss. Should we come back to you? <laughs> no, I'll tell you in a bit what his name is. Anyway, I know he's Cohagen. 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 And then Ronnie Cox obviously plays Capital of Denmark. <laughs> Ronnie Cox obviously also plays Dick Jones in Robocop, which is also directed by Paul Verhoeven. And that's our nice. film. But the reason I did that jump as well is you go from Predator to Total Recall. Total Recall starred Michael Ironside, who was um a choice for uh, Robocop for Murphy. Yeah. But he was discounted by Verhoeven because he was too big or would have been yeah. too big for the costume. Uh, hence why Ver Verhoeven has used him then in um, subsequent films, maybe because he feels bad, I don't know. Yeah. Because imagine if my, imagine the different ways his career would have gone if he'd got a leading character. Yeah. You know, he did Scanners and then he could have done uh, Robocop as Robocop. Anyway, but then he played, he had a part in Total Recall. He was and Starship in, Troopers. Uh, Starship Troopers as well. Um, so, yeah, so that was my other link as well, who was uh, purported to have uh, been um, a name for Robocop. That's my awesome. one degree. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dave, do you want to go next or do you want to go last? I'm going next. And it's 
do you know what? I laboured on this. I started <laughs> in at one point. I went round the house. And then, do you know what? Well, well, well I, I, don't, found I don't really this. know. I found this one really, really difficult. <laughs> Well I, well, I don't really know, Rita. Um, no, mine's basically the same as yours, Lloyd, although you seem to have All done right. additional steps. So I just went what, step. Over one? No, it wasn't one step, though, because you were talking about, like, three or four different people. No, it's different links, but only one movie. Being All informed right. about movies, like everyone on this show. <laughs> oh, maybe I should get, get informed at some point before I uh, come back on here. Um, is informed yes. the word? <laughs> Supposedly, it, it will be. Um, so yeah, Predator, Arnold Schwarzenegger, the movie. Be. Watched it a few weeks ago. Um, <laughs> he's also in a movie called Total Recall, which is directed by a Dutch fella called Paul Verhoeven, and Paul Verhoeven yeah. also directed a movie called Robocop. And that's my connection. Are you joking? No, that's literally I did exactly the same as Lloyd. So no, sometimes take out some time, and I'm going to just go like Lloyd said. Because normally, normally I go around the houses, and you'll take the Mickey out of me. So I decided yeah. to be concise this week, and now you like you think I'm just cheating. I haven't done my homework. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> I feel like that, the, like the two of you just <laughs> decided to get out of bed, record the program. Oh, well, does he also direct something else? Yeah, he does. Yeah, I'll just I'll put that down. That's my link. The yeah. the the way I've done it is trying to do a, a complicated theme as you might expect um dave you alluded to it earlier you referred to peter weller wasn't really well known but he was known for being in the adventures of bookaroo banzai mm. and i was thinking what film recently had paid homage to bookaroo banzai and that was ready player one mm. where actually it's the costume that he wears it's one of his favorite characters um when he's playing in the game so I then thought, what are the films that are referenced in Ready Player One? And can I do a link from Predator through to Robocop using only films referenced in Ready Player One? And I can tell you, it wasn't easy. And it took me quite a few hours to get from one to the other. So here goes. You don't have to accept what I'm saying. But you can Google it if you think I'm wrong. So Predator starred Arnold Schwarzenegger, who was also in The Last Action Hero. Last Action Hero starred Ian McKellen, played a character called Death. Lloyd, you'll know that because you watch Last Action Hero quite a lot. Yeah. Ian McKellen was also Sir Ian McKellen was also Gandalf in Lord of the Rings, which starred Sean Aston as Samwise Gamgee. Mm -hmm. He also plays Mike or Mikey, in The Goonies. There you go. Also in The Goonies was Joe Panoliano. Panoliano. Um, was Francis Fratelli. Um, he also played a character called Guido in Risky Business with Tom Cruise. Um, Tom Cruise played Joel Goodman, but he also played Jack in Legends. Uh, Legend, sorry. Legends also had um, Tim Curry, amongst other people, but had Mia Sara, who played Lily, and she was Sloane Peterson in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Ferris Bueller's Day Off also had the brilliant character Ed Rooney, who was played by Jeffrey Jones, who was also Dr. Walter Jennings in Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck also starred Lee Thompson, who uh, was called Beverly, and we know her best as Lorraine Baines in Back to the Future, which starred Christopher Lloyd 
as Dr. Emmett Brown, who was also John Big Boutet in The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai, starring Peter Weller from Rubicop. So that was my 19 degrees of separation on a theme. So that brings us to the end of our show uh, today. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, don't forget to like and subscribe and all the other social media gubbins. Till next time. That's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs>